scripture, verses 18 and 19, very familiar passage. But Jesus is speaking here. And he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, to the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me. Going to preach to you tonight on the anointing. Stretch forth your hands this way and ask God to help us tonight. Father, we love you. We are so thankful for the privilege that we've been made to feel. Thank you, Lord, for the Spirit of God that we have been made to feel in this place since the onset of this service. Father, we do not take that lightly. God, we do not take that for granted. But Father, we thank you that on this Wednesday night, you have uh, sent your presence into our midst tonight. And God, I'm asking as we uh, preach your heart for this, these few moments, that oh God, you would anoint me and hide me behind the cross of Calvary. I need your hand. I need your touch. I need your anointing. God, if I've ever needed you before, I need you right now in this moment. And Father, I thank you that your anointing is always on time. It's always on point. And oh God, there's always fruit that will follow the anointing of God. We're asking anoint us to preach the word. Anoint us to receive from heaven tonight. Father, anoint our hearts and lives around these altars. And we'll be careful to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray it. And the church says amen. amen. And amen. Before we uh, get started, I failed to mention Brother Eddie is preaching camp meeting this week at the Wilson Mills Church of God in North Carolina. I've got to watch a little bit of it in small clips, and the Lord has been blessing. If you want to be blessed and chime in, you can go to uh, Wilson Mills Church of God, um, and you can go to their webpage. There's a link there to YouTube to where you can watch the services, or you can go to YouTube and type in Wilson Mills Church of God. He's preaching the 11 o'clock mid-morning service. Uh, but most of all, be praying for our pastor, that God would anoint him and move mightily there. But we're going to preach tonight on the anointing of God. And uh, if I were to ask the question tonight, what does it mean to be anointed? There are probably many different responses that I could get of what the fruits of the anointing are. But uh, a, a lot of people would label charisma or emotion as the anointing. But it must go much deeper than our charisma and our emotion. It means more than great speaking or even shouting. As a matter of fact, some of the worst preaching that I've ever heard in my life was from individuals that hollered and screamed and sweated the most. Just because you are emotional does not mean that you are anointed. Just because somebody can sing like a mockingbird does not mean that they are anointed. Just because they sing your favorite a song and can make you shed a few tears does not mean that it is the anointing. The anointing is something that goes much deeper than charisma or emotion or speaking or shouting or singing. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul, he debunked all of that when he said this in 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. He said, And I, brethren, when I came unto you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, 
Declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Listen to what He said. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. But in demonstration of the Spirit and the power. Paul was saying, I came not uh, with uh, uh, some long educational lecture or some theologically awing message uh, that would uh, uh, wow the mind uh, or to make you sit there and say, uh, what a preacher or what a, what a man. Uh, he said, but when I came, paraphrasing it into Corey's terms, uh, I came unto you under the power of the anointing of God. And what God wrote and what God accomplished was not because of my wisdom, it was not because of my intellect. It was not because of my physical demeanor. I stood before you in weakness. I was scared. I was fearful. My knees were trembling. But when I stood before you, I was not standing in my own strength or power or wisdom. But it was the anointing of God that made the difference. It was the anointing of the Holy Ghost upon my life. And I can tell you folks, if we need anything in this hour, it's more of the anointing of God. It's for more men and women to be anointed with the Holy Ghost of God to be the Apostle Paul's in this generation. Listen, Paul served his generation with distinction. Amen. This written in the annuals of God's Word and in the annuals of history, the accomplishments that God wrought through Paul. At the end of his life, he was able to say, I fought a good fight. I kept the faith. I finished my course. Henceforth is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, but not for me only, but for all them that loved his appearing. Paul was able to hear the words, well done thy good and faithful servant because he was anointed in his generation and he served his generation well. But who was going to be the Apostle Paul's in this generation? Who's going to be the men and women that pay the price for the anointing of God whose life is marked not with education, not with enticing words, amen, but their lives are marked with the anointing of the Holy Ghost to where when men look at you they see God all over you to where when men look at you they say I may not know exactly who or what he is but brother Joey there's something different about you when you pray I felt something different that wasn't Joey Lawrence but that was the anointing of God resting upon Joey Lawrence we need men and women to serve with distinction in this hour that will be anointed and then anointed by the power of the Holy Ghost. If you're to look up the word anointed, in the Greek it means to rub or to smear with oil. In the Old Testament, actually kings and prophets and the high priests were set apart to their work. How? By the anointing. When they were to be entered into their priestly office or their kingly office, a prophet would anoint them with oil. They would stand before them in the midst of the congregation and they had the oil of the apothecary and they would pour it all over their head to where the oil would flow down. And for that priest Aaron, when he was anointed, David wrote in Psalms, How good and pleasant is it for brethren to dwell together in unity. For it says the oil 
that flowed upon the head and the beard of Aaron, even Aaron's beard. And it would flow down through his garment. That priestly garment was woven with precious threads and fine linen. And when that oil was applied to the head of the priest as he was being issued into his priestly office, that oil would flow down his head, flow down his beard, flow upon that garment. And when it would seep into those threads, it would literally flow all the way down that royal garment, uh, that priestly garment to where it got to the pomegranates uh, and the bales that had been tied around that priestly robe. Uh, it would drip all the way from head uh, to toe. Uh, it would saturate every piece uh, of fabric. Uh, it would saturate every ounce uh, of that garment and that royal robe. Uh, oh, and everybody that saw that man uh, knew that he had been anointed. Uh, they knew that this was God's chosen man uh, to fulfill the priestly office. Uh, I can tell you, beloved, that is exactly how the anointing should be for us. I mean, it should be more than a shout or a doodad or an emotion, but it should encompass every fiber of our being. It should flow from the top of our head down to the sole of our feet and everywhere in between. Amen. Our lives should be marked by the anointing of God the same way in the Old Testament. They could look at Aaron and know that he was God's man because he had been anointed. Amen. And we must be anointed in the same manner in this hour uh, to where when men and women look at us, uh, they see the anointing of God. Amen. The oil was to signify that men and women had been set apart for a heavenly purpose. There's so much to preach here that uh, the, the, the sake of time will not allow. But it was the anointing of the oil that signified God's mark and hand upon their life. And I can tell you it's the anointing of God today that signifies God's hand upon His church. It's His anointing. It's His seal. Amen. In biblical days, you were either anointed for service or you weren't. And we'll say that again. The priest was either anointed to be the priest or he wasn't. There was no middle ground. There was no straddling the fence. Either his life had been marked with the anointing, or it wasn't. Amen. But when you were anointed, everybody around knew you had been anointed. They could tell for, by two reasons. Number one, you could see the effects of the oil with the eye. You could look at that individual and you could see that the effects that the oil had on them. But number two, not only could you look and you could see it, but when you walked into the room with them, you could smell the aroma of the oil. You see, when the anointing of God is applied to our lives, number one, men should be able to see the effects of the anointing. Oh, it's more than getting emotional and shouting. It's more than running the aisles and hanging from the chandeliers. 
The anointing of God is important in the house of God. We need men and women to be anointed in the church. But I can tell you the anointing of God is just as much needed outside the four walls of the church as it is inside the four walls of the church. And when men and women look at us, number one, they should see the effects of the anointing. The same way men can look at Aaron and see that his life had been marked by oil. Men and women in the world should look at us and see that our life has been impacted by the anointing. But number two, not only should they be able to see it, they should be able to smell it. Amen. Not with the physical nose and the physical nostrils to be able to smell it physically, but your life should produce a heavenly aroma in a world full of the stench and the mire of sin. Amen. Our lives should be a beautiful aroma offered unto God as praise to where when people see the fruits of our life, that we're not producing the same fruits and the same wicked works and the same wicked actions as everybody around us. They see the aroma. They see the effects. And they smell the aroma. And they realize that you, sir, that you, ma'am, have been anointed. The anointing is going to change you. Your appearance is going to be different when the anointing is applied. The aroma of your life is going to be different when it's marked by the anointing. If Jesus is our blueprint, and He is, and the New Testament church is our blueprint, and they are, I want us to look and see as we pattern our lives, we should pattern after them. And both of them were anointed. Jesus, His very name denotes the anointing. Jesus was called the Messiah, which is a Hebrew word, which means the anointed one. His name, Jesus Christ, literally means the anointed Savior or the anointing Christ. So His name signifies the anointing, that He was the anointed one that all of the priests had been looking to, that all of religion had been looking to, that all the governments of the world had been looking to when He showed up and He gave His name. His name itself denoted the anointing. When we introduce ourselves as Christians, it should denote that we are anointed people that we are anointed people now I know that billions on this planet claim to be Christians but I can tell you many of those are Christians in name only because they'll say I'm a Christian but there is no anointing that accompanies that life there is no fruit or evidence of the anointing upon them they are Christian in name only, but they are Christian without the effects of the anointing. When you say, I am a Christian, and you say that I follow Christ, it is just as if Christ was on the scene saying that He is the anointed one that came in His generation in the volume of the books to fulfill every prophecy, to fulfill every word of Scripture. Amen. He was saying, I'm the one that you've been looking for in our generation 
generation when we say we're Christian, we should be saying to the world, I am the one that you're looking for. Not because of my own vain works of glory, but I'm the one that can point you to the one that can solve your problems. I'm the one that's here to point you to the one that can set you free from the hog pit of sin. And then our names as Christians, it should signify the anointing upon us. But not only was he anointed by his name, but he was, his life denoted the anointing. He was anointed and the evidence followed. Look at the sequence in our, in our text in Luke chapter number 4 verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, to the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Before he preached, before he healed, before he delivered, before he recovered, before he set at liberty, he was anointed. You can't get the cart ahead of the ox. It says, first, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me. And because He was anointed, the evidence followed. Because He was anointed, because the hand of the Father was upon His life, amen, He was able to do the things that He did. But notice the anointing came before anything else. Amen. His life was anointed. Everything that He did was anointed because the Spirit of the Lord was upon Him. Notice Christ was not anointed earthly with oil to signify an earthly reign. This was a stark contrast from the priests and the kings that had been anointed all throughout the Old Testament before they entered into their roles. David was anointed as king. Uh, Aaron was anointed as priest. Uh, Eli was anointed as priest. Different men had been anointed for their, for their uh, earthly roles uh, with oil. But when it came to Christ, while He was anointed with oil at different junctures, He was not anointed with oil at the beginning of His earthly ministry. So in this, Christ broke the mold. He broke the mold from all the kings. He broke the mold from all the priests. And He established a different precedent. But make no mistake about it, Jesus was anointed. Because you've got to realize what the oil represents. The oil was more than just olive oil. It was more than just something to make you smell good. It was more than just something to grease you up a little bit. But the oil signified the Holy Ghost of God. The oil signified the Holy Ghost. And while Jesus Christ at the beginning of His earthly ministry was not anointed with oil, He was anointed with something far greater. He was anointed not with a symbol or a type, but He was anointed by the Holy Ghost Himself. And then the Word of God tells us in Luke chapter number 3, Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Ghost 
The Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice come from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son in thee. I am well pleased. Oil was always a representative of the Holy Ghost. But when it came time for Christ to be anointed, the Holy Ghost said, I'm not going to send just some representation. I'm not going to send some man-made oil of the apothecary that's made with flesh, that's made with elements of this world. When it comes time for Christ to be anointed, the Holy Ghost Himself came in the form of a dove and lit upon Christ, which signified this is the Messiah. This is the Chosen One. Here is the Lamb of God that's going to take all the sin away. Amen. From all the world. Christ was not anointed with fleshly oil, but He was anointed by the Holy Ghost Himself. And because of that, He preached and men were born again. He spoke to death and they raised back to life. He touched the eyes of Bartimaeus and immediately Bartimaeus left sin. He healed the leper. He turned the water into wine. He fed the multitude with just a few fishes and a few loaves. Why? Because he was anointed. Notice that none of those acts happened before the anointing fell. Now, if it took the anointing for Christ, don't you think it's going to take the anointing for us? We tried to short change and circumvent the wheel in this thing, thinking that our programs can give us the boost that we need. You can have all the programs in the world, but honey, if you don't have the anointing, your programs are in vain. We thought that maybe our, our music can, can be the driving force for revival. Nashville is full of talent. But Nashville tonight is full of sin. Void of revival. Why? Because it's not anointed. Anointing does not come. Amen. From the programs. It does not come. Amen. From the singers. And I'll go a step further and say this. We've got more educated men in the pulpit when it comes to theology than we've had in any generation. But we have less power in the pulpit than we've ever had before. Listen, the preaching of men's words does not produce a Bible. It will not birth the church as God wants it to be intended. It takes that man being anointed. It takes that man getting along with God if that was the prerequisite for Christ's ministry it's still the prerequisite for my ministry and every other ministry out there Amen. we must be anointed people listen I'm not putting a premium on ignorance I believe that a man of God should be studied up I believe that he should have a little bit of substance to what he has to say I believe that he should know what he's talking about and not just preaching main words. But honey, you can study behind Spurgeon. You can study behind uh, uh, Wesley. Uh, you can study behind D.L. Moody all day long uh, and it produced death in the church uh, because God is not so much interested in man's words uh, coming out of your mouth. Uh, he's interested in His words uh, coming out of your mouth. Uh, I'm thankful for Wesley. Uh, I'm thankful for Spurgeon and Moody and all the forefathers of the faith. Uh, amen. Uh, but in this generation, we need men uh, to stand up with integrity, uh, men with character, uh, but most of all, men 
again with the anointing that says not what our forefathers said just because they said it, but they say, amen, with power and authority what God desires for them to say in this world. We need anything in this hour. It's for the Holy Ghost to fall upon us once again. For the anointing of God to settle upon His church. Christ was anointed. The early church was anointed. Notice the same anointing that fell upon Christ in the River Jordan. Fell upon that New Testament church in the upper room. But notice the dispensation of the Holy Ghost and the physical evidence of the Holy Ghost was totally different. You see, the Holy Ghost fell upon Christ in the form of a dove because doves denote purity. Doves denote pure and innocent. Jesus Christ was the pure and innocent Lamb that knew no sin but took on sin for us that we may be called the righteousness of God through Him. When the Holy Ghost descended upon Christ, He fell upon a perfect vessel and anointed Him for a perfect work. But when the Holy Ghost fell on that New Testament church, He did not come as a dove, but He came with fire. On the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Filled all the house where they were sitting, there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives them utterance. If you know anything about fire, we preached it for five weeks on the fire of the Holy Ghost. Fire is a purifying agent. Fire refines. Fire purifies. That Christ was perfect when the Holy Ghost fell upon Him. That New Testament church was not perfect. They were an imperfect body. But the Holy Ghost lit upon them, purified them, and anointed them to do a work and to reach their world for Christ. Amen. If Jesus was anointed, and if the early church was anointed, then we too must be anointed. We cannot settle for anything less but the anointing of God. If the anointing was marked in Christ's life, and the anointing was marked in that New Testament church, amen, then we are shortchanging Him if we settle for living life without His holy anointing. Listen, amen, we cannot live without the anointing. We can't preach without it. We can't sing without it. We can't teach without we can't pray. We can't witness. We can't effectively evangelize without it. Folks, we must have the anointing. How did they receive the anointing? Number one, the first principle is this. Jesus and the church prioritized the anointing. When Jesus was standing in the river Jordan being baptized, what was He doing? He was doing the will of God. When the New Testament church was in that upper room on the day of Pentecost, what were they doing? They were walking in obedience to the command of God to tarry in the city of Jerusalem until they be endued with power from on high. That was the command of God. 
And they made the anointing. They made the Holy Ghost their priority. Nothing else mattered but receiving the anointing and the gift of God. For ten days, they prayed. For ten days, they fasted. Some 500 received the promise of the Father that the Holy Ghost was going to fall. But 380 left, never receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. We don't know of them receiving it that day. They may have received it afterwards. But only 120 were in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. Why? Because 120 prioritized the Holy Ghost. He was their number one priority. So how to receive the anointing? The anointing must be our priority. Why is it that so few people are anointed in this hour? I can tell you the answer because so many are content without it. So many are content without the anointing of God. Oh, but He must be our number one priority. The second principle is that we can do nothing or become nothing except what the anointing leads us to do. The anointing of God must govern everything that we as Christians do. In practicality, B.H. Clendenin said this, that the anointing is nothing more or nothing less than the Holy Ghost become an absolute Lord. What God joins, what God anoints, He joins Himself to. This causes Him to be the Lordship of every interest, every influence, and is regarded as have given place to the undivided and reserved Lordship of the Spirit. So from this, we can see that we have two objectives when it comes to the anointing. Number one, the anointing must be obtaining the anointing. I mean, objective number one must be making the anointing a priority. And objective number two is walking in subjection to the anointing all the days of our life. Amen. Listen, in the natural, I found one that my soul loved. And once I found her, I've settled in my heart, I'm not going to do anything to let her go. Amen. I'm committed to her. I'm joined to her. Amen. We're joined bone to bone, flesh to flesh. Amen. How much more should it be in the Spirit uh, to the anointing of God? Uh, once we taste of the anointing and we see that it's good, uh, we should be joined. Uh, amen. And we should never be separated from the anointing of God. Uh, amen. If you want the anointing, uh, it must be your first priority. Uh, and honey, when you receive it, uh, when you're blessed with it, uh, and you're graced with the anointing, uh, don't do anything uh, to cause separation. Uh, but all the days of your life, uh, walk in harmony uh, with the anointing of God. Don't go anywhere that's going to cost you the anointing. Don't say anything that's going to cost you the anointing. Don't put your eyes on something that's going to hinder the anointing. Cut out every distraction. Cut out everything that might cause division and cause disharmony and a lack of unity. But cleave to that which is going to draw you closer and enable you to walk in the power of this anointing. I can tell you, church, there's nothing in this life worth losing the anointing over. There's nothing in life worth losing the anointing. Listen, I've been in churches preaching that at one time were powerhouse churches. But now it's dead as 3 o'clock in the morning. What happened? Somewhere, at some time, the anointing departed and nobody has paid the price 
to get it back. Nobody's paid the price in prayer to travail before God. Say, Lord, anoint us one more time. Listen, I've been in many places. Powerhouses in the past. It's dry as cracker juice. Somewhere along the lines, the anointing of God fell back in the line of priorities. Somewhere along the line, something came in and separated them from the anointing of God. And can I tell you something, by the way? We're no better than they are. If we don't continue to place a premium on the anointing of God, just as rich as we and powerful as we feel at service after service, it can walk out the back door if we do not give reverence and we don't give ourselves in subjection to the anointing of God. Just as quick as the anointing comes in, it can depart because the anointing will not stay where it's not wanted. Oh, God. Father, don't let us ever lose this holy anointing. Oh, God. Listen, folks. Don't ever lose the desire. Don't ever lose the priority for this holy anointing. Amen. We're no different. We're no better than the other casualties of the past. But let us be marked as a church, not by one filled with frills, not one filled with men's intellect or men's programs. But if we're known for anything, let us be known as a church anointed. Let us be known as a place where the Spirit of God dwells. Listen, when the doctor's office is closed and it's coming, when you can't go to the doctor and insurance is no good and men's medicine, you can't afford it. When they can't get what they need at the doctor's office, Office. Let this be a healing place where when that baby's sick and at the point of death, they can bring it and we can call for the elders of the church to anoint them with oil and we can see God do the miraculous. Listen, when a halfway house is shut down and the drug addict has no hope, let this be known as an anointed house where the anointing of God is where men can find salvation and men can find deliverance and men can find redemption because this is an anointed place where God hallows it with His presence. It is the anointing. It's the anointing that makes the difference. We must prioritize it. And number two, we must walk in subjection to it. The key to the anointing is this. Kirsten, I'm done. I've got a lot more to preach. I feel the Holy Ghost shut me down. We're going to pray tonight that in this last hour, God would pour out a holy anointing upon us. Oh, my God. To keep the anointing, Jesus told us in John chapter number 5, Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son of Man can do nothing of Himself but what He seeth the Father do. For what things soever He doeth, those also the Son likewise. Jesus was anointed in the River Jordan, but the rest of His life He dedicated to walking in that anointing. He did nothing to separate Himself from it. And whatever the Father spoke to Him, that's what He did. Jesus said, I do nothing except I hear my Father say it. I say nothing unless the Father 
speaks it to me. His life was given over to the complete will of God and walking in that holy anointing. Listen, that must be what we become. To where we're men and women who gives our lives walking over in the anointing of God. Gives our life to the cause of God. To where we say nothing except we hear the Father say it. We do nothing unless we hear the Father tell us to do it. Listen, whether you're in the church house, whether you're at the courthouse, whether you're in a restaurant, Brother Joey's already said it. God has called us to be anointed people. To be anointed. In this hour, listen folks, I don't have to preach current events to you. You know it's bad. And you know it's getting worse. The only way we're ever going to make an impact on this world, Brother Meeks, is if we're anointed people. That our lives have been filled with the anointing of God. My prayer tonight is not for us to grow bigger than the church down the road. Thank God He's blessed this church financially, but it's not to have more money than any other church in Foley. My desire tonight more than anything is that the heavens would be opened and the anointing of God would be poured out. And I want to be right in the middle of the flow. Our families are dependent upon it. Our our neighbors are dependent upon it. Our children are dependent upon it. Listen, if the church don't get anointed today, listen, our future is bleak. In Canada, shutting down churches for simply congregating to worship, throwing pastors in jail. You preach against homosexuality, the first offense is a $25,000 fine. Talking to Pete and Judy Lampman just outside of Ontario, Canada, just a couple of weeks ago, one church, one, for gathering in the middle of shutdown, in one service, wrote out $800,000 in vines. What we're seeing all around the world, the persecution in China, Brother Meeks talked about, talking to Brother Morales in Cuba, the government's cracking down, they're demonstrating for freedom, so the government's cracking down, the marketplaces are closed, the hospitals are closed, the economy is shut down. Don't think it's not coming here. If we expect to have any impact and any bearings on this generation, we've got to get serious with God today. If we're going to see revival tomorrow, it starts today. And I believe there's a call in this hour for men and women to prioritize the anointing of God. Lord, more than we want the next promotion, more than we want the next raise, more than we want anything in this life. God, give us the anointing. Let us be as the Apostle Paul. I came not with enticing words. I've come to you in weakness, but I was anointed. And the anointing of God made the difference. What's going to make the difference in our generation? It's the anointing, friend. It's the anointing. And God desires as much as we need the anointing. God desires to pour it out even more. As much as we rely upon the anointing. God needs a church that is anointed and filled with power. Amen. To stop the advances of hell in this generation. Yes, it's weak. And yes, it doesn't look good what's coming on the horizon. But you hear me? 
The church is not going down. Amen. I believe she's about to rise up. And she's not going to rise up in her own power. But it's going to be the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. My prayer tonight, let it start right here. God, let the anointing flow right here. God, you don't have to look for another church. You don't have to look for another congregation. We welcome you, Lord. Fill us with fresh oil. Pour out the oil of gladness. Pour out the oil of the anointing. Pour out the oil of the Holy Ghost. Listen, if that's your prayer, meet me in this altar tonight. Amen. God's looking for you, friend. He's looking for me. Amen. He's desiring us tonight on a Wednesday night to be filled with fresh oil. To be filled with the anointing of God. Oh, hallelujah. God, come on.